The Cost Camps Coaches Show, episode 19. Coaches, welcome to the Cost Camps Coaches Show. Guest today is Coach Ben Thompson. He's the head football coach at McCaskey High School in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Of of the, I haven't met Coach Thompson in person, but we've had about a ten minute phone conversation here. And Coach Thompson, I don't mean to embarrass you here, but he he's an interesting guy. He's he's probably the, he's the most interesting guy outside of the football field so far that I've interviewed. Uh, that might not be fair to the other guys, yeah, but you you have a great story. Um, just to give everyone a brief rundown here, um, Coach Thompson, he graduated from Cheney in 2011. He He's in his third year, or he completed his third year of coaching at McCaskey. And he was he was he was set to be the defensive coordinator this this season, 2021. And right before the season started, uh, Coach Sam London, who was the head football coach at McCaskey, he took a full-time uh, coaching position at Waynesburg University in Western PA. Coach, do I have all that right? Am I right with saying all that stuff? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. So he, so Coach Thompson was kind of thrown into the fire right before the season started, and um, he took over the program, and and now it, it, it's officially his program. He's officially the head football coach. But Coach Thompson, welcome to the Cost Camps Coaches Show. Thank you. Uh, appreciate you having me on here. Uh, I hope I can live up to that hype of being. <laughs> one of the more interested coaches that you've had on here. Uh, I'll, I'll try to do my best. Well, we're going to talk football. We're going to, we'll start off with some football and, and uh, coaches is, is going to talk about, you know, his, his plan for the program and, and um, you know, he, he's, it's early on here in his, in his coaching career. So he's going to talk about how he's going to implement it and, and how he's going to try to get his feeder program to kind of work with the, the varsity program. And then I do want to get into what you do for a living and all that good stuff, but we'll, we'll kind of save that for later. Because I think, guys, will, even though this is a football show, I think there are, there's a lot of teachers on here that they'll be very interested in that, Coach. So we'll just kind of put that in our back pocket for now. Talk about right. talk about taking over. How, first of all, what what was that like? In uh, was would that have been was that in August when you were named like the interim head coach? Uh. I think I'd have to look at the calendar, but the the title itself happened during uh, fall camp, so that first week of heat acclimation. Right, so it was August. Uh, I remember. Yep. So Sam had left a week before that prior, so I kind of just took the reins and and started to well, basically just continued what we were doing, made a few tweaks or whatever to kind of fit my personality. But I mean, I I was with the team all year all off season did a lot of stuff. So uh, I said this before it, I, it wasn't a new thing for me. It was just, I was standing somewhere different on the field. Right. So I was a face the kids knew it was just, I'm standing somewhere else telling them the same thing. Now, now they have to listen to me just a little bit more. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, he left. Uh, like I said, I just kind of jumped in, took the spot. And then during, heat acclimations, I actually had to interview for the uh, the head coaching job for the interim portion. Is that uh, right? Something to do with, yep, something to do with uh, union and everything else. Like it had to be posted internally okay. so no grievances could happen or anything else. So I remember 
uh, breaking from our morning practice, uh, got the kids down in the locker room, got them changed, sent them up to lunch. And during that lunchtime, I had to run up to the principal's office and go through that interview process. So it, it turned out to be an interesting day that day. How, but, how quickly then did it turn around and, and you found out that you were the head coach? Uh, I think it was either the, the, the next day or the day after. It was still okay. during that week, okay. that first week uh, of practice. So that was just kind of like, just they were just kind of like dotting their I's, crossing their T's. They just had, had to go through that process. Yeah, no, I mean, to to try to put somebody else in that spot right. would, would right. be tougher versus that next man up mentality, yeah. just like we teach the kids. Like if, if someone goes down, I'm not going to bring a kid from another program in to start for me. Yep. I'm going to bring that next guy up and, and let him prove himself. So I really do appreciate the school district for giving me that opportunity and continuing to give me that opportunity. Uh, my AD, John Mitchell, and Principal uh, Justin Reese, uh, they fully support me and the vision for this program. So I hope that it is something that we can continue to build on from this season. And now it's officially you, in January or February, sometime this winter. I read somewhere where you were you've officially been named the head coach and school board approved and all that good stuff. Yep, it was uh, it was sometime in January. Okay, school board approved it, so I am that guy moving forward. So once again, I'm very thankful to have that opportunity. So what does McCaskey need to do? What do you what are you trying to do here? To get to get moving forward, to, to get yourself a, a a winning program or a program that it's going to put up a, a winning season here consistently. Well, I, I think uh, my predecessor Sam London, he did a great job in kind of coaching his coaches. So before him, I was not a coach. I was a teacher with the district for about three years or so, and I just so happened to run into him in the hallway. <laughs> And asked him what he was doing. He said that he was, he just got done a football meeting. And I had heard that they had hired a new head coach. So I had asked him, like, hey, did you meet the new head coach? And he kind of chuckled and just said that he was the head coach. <laughs> and so I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And at that point, he just looked at me he's like, well, do you ever think about coaching? And I said, if the wife lets me. And so really, I got to thank her as well backstory on that me and sam actually played together back in high school so we both went to coachville uh he graduated 03 i graduated 04 so he was a running back and i was an offensive lineman so we knew of each other and i mean we were friends before this and then he kind of went his way went into the air force uh went across the country out california coached out there for a while and then our has crossed again when he went to Cheney because I just graduated and he was coaching there. And then once again here. So it's, it's definitely, as you said, somewhat interesting. So his first year was my first year coaching ever. I didn't coach before. I played college ball. I enjoyed the sport, but I was just still trying to get my feet under me teaching. So when he gave me the opportunity, I took it. Uh, started out as a assistant position coach for the O-line, D-line. Halfway through the season, moved my way up to running back and linebacker coach. The next year, I continued as both of those and kind of prepping as that secondary coach 
or passing coordinator, kind of moving me up the, uh, the ladder. This upcoming season, I said I was going to work to be that DC. So I had a, interviewed and did all those things. And then when I got the news of him leaving, as I said earlier, I was kind of that next guy up. So it's kind of one of those last man standing type thing. If you think about the game Wipeout, <laughs> yeah, right. you just keep running that race until, until it's your turn. But he did a great job of kind of preaching that next man up mentality because I've always said if you show up for football, you're going to leave for football. So there's never really been any hard feelings for anything because we all understand that this is business and coaching can take you a lot of places and nothing's guaranteed. So if an opportunity jumps at you to go to the next level, then it, it's kind of foolish not to kind of go for that. So he, but Coach, as far Lund- as Co- Coach London got you, he got you up and going. He got the program going to where it was when the season yes. started, and you kind of carried through with it. But you didn't really have a, a you, yes, you didn't really have time to kind of put your fingerprint on. It, are there no are there no no do I, moving forward to kind of to put your stamp on it? Yes, there are, and I probably won't speak on those now because I like it to be a little bit of a surprise sure, when the season sure. comes. Now after. After week one, people will kind of see the direction that we're going in. But yeah, even just like culture, just like you're talking about, like not on the field stuff, stuff like that. Oh, what? yeah. Yeah. So I can get into that with you right now. So, uh, first off, as part of the interview process, you know, you come up with the big plan of everything. Yeah. And for me, I kind of sat down and thought about, well, why should I be the head coach? So, so what is my mission? What do I want to accomplish as this person? And really, it, it starts with that culture piece and putting down that foundation. So for me, the mission that I have as a coach is to create a culture that is based on the student athlete believing in the team first mentality. And three of our core principles are respect, education, and discipline. I feel that those three things encompass a lot of things that really project what you're looking for in a program and or your your student athletes. Are you doing so things it, right now? Me, like, to, are you intentionally doing things to kind of develop those those three core values? Yes. So what we've done this off season is instituted a point system. Uh, I, I I think George is doing something similar where I'm giving points based on actions that they're doing and different things. So we have weightlifting set up. So every day you show up to weightlifting, we have a uniform, white shirt, black shorts, or any football spirit wear. The reason I do that, for one, is to let everyone know that we are all the same. So everyone has that white shirt, everyone has the black shorts. Uh, If you have that spirit wear on, it's kind of like that badge of honor because our spirit wear is earned. Uh, It's not given away. We design something different every year. So if you're wearing that, that means that you're battle tested, that you're believing in what we're doing. And hopefully we'd like everybody on the football team to be in there with spirit wear. But I, I've been in the cafeteria recruiting hard. So we have a lot of white shirts and black shorts, which, which is perfectly fine. Is there kind of s- helps me pick them out when other sports come in the yeah, room as right. well. So I know that they're guys. Is there something specific they have to do to earn the spirit wear? Yeah, you got to make it through the season. Okay. So guys that have made it through the yeah, entire no, season, they yeah. can show they show up to the way they get their their spirit gear after the season's over. That's great. 
Yep, as soon as the season's over, they get their spirit wear. Now, they, they may get something after they get through camp to show that they made it through camp. Yeah. But we we kind of like to hold some stuff because anybody can show up first day of camp. I'm not trying to give you gear just for showing up. Like these, like I said, these are things that are earned. So every every school has their sports uh, store where you, where you can buy things with the name on it. Yep. But I very intentionally leave our logo off all that stuff. So our decal, which is like the old style McCaskey M from the early 2000s. So only that goes on to our spirit wear. So if it doesn't have that M on it, then then you paid the gold price and not the iron price. Oh, I like that. The gold price, not the iron price. Yeah, I had there's a, a coach, uh, Bob Geyer. He was a coach at Milton Hershey for a long time. He was on here, and he said uh, uh, he 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 only took the team picture at the last practice of the season, last regular season practice. That's when they did their team picture. That was kind of his way of, of uh-huh. rewarding everybody that made it through the through the entire season. But that's great, giving people the gear once the season ends to make sure they make it through. That's awesome. Gives them a little motivation. Going back to that uh, the culture building part, sure. Uh, that reward system. So we take attendance every day in the weight room. Uh, you show up on time in uniform, you get your five points. Uh, you show up late, you get three. If you don't show up at all, you get none. I don't really believe in negative because a lot of times in life, you're only fined if you break a law. You're not fined for doing nothing. So right. you get paid when you show up for work. You show up late, you get paid less because you don't put in the full time. If you don't go to work, you don't get paid, but life still moves on. You, you, your job doesn't send you a bill for you not showing up. So I, I kind of feel the same way. I don't want to penalize people i just want to say this is what you earned or this is what you didn't earn not what i penalized you for um so we'll do that for the weight room i've done it for other sporting events so i saw that our attendance to our girls basketball game was low and something happened and the guys game got rescheduled so a lot of kids were looking for something to do and i said hey if you go to the girls game i'll give you 20 points if you wear your mccaskey spirit wear or your football spirit wear we had about 40-plus of our players in the stands that game, and it really made for, like, a good atmosphere for the for the ladies. And so we just do different things like that. Uh, if we have different outings or I'm looking for volunteers for certain things, we'll throw points out there. And it really becomes a competition because right before camp starts, we're going to tally those points. Uh, the top ones are the ones that get to pick their jersey first, helmet first, and all that. So if you're a freshman or you're a sophomore and you go to everything and you earn all those points and you're the first one to pick, you get to pick whatever jersey number That's you awesome. want. You get to pick whatever helmet. That's awesome. So it's one of those things. It's not what you've done. It's what will you continue to do. Yeah. That's great. That's a, that's a so great idea. So if you relate back to real life, you don't get that paycheck if you don't show up. So just because you worked last year doesn't mean you get a paycheck at the end of this year if you didn't show up. So kids have really started to buy in on that and every week i post it in the weight room and they all go running towards it and then they ask about their points so if a player does another sport i will give them about 80 maybe 90 percent of points and then any football activity they can get to during their other sports they can earn bonus because we really want to push kids to do other sports we don't just want football players we want athletes uh it it really makes me feel some type of way when when I go up to a kid and 
I ask them if they want to play football and they just tell me that they're a baller or they just do one sport. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I, I feel like you really put yourself in a box when it t- comes time to go to college or do other things that you're just kind of limiting those experiences. You don't, you don't have to be a starter or a great person in all of them. Heck, I played ice hockey up until high school. I wasn't great at it, but I, it, it just keeps you moving. It keeps you going. You meet new people. You do different things. And I, I feel like it can contribute to football, the different agility things. But when, when, I mean, so, so we really push our kids to do a lot of different sports. When you say you give them 80 to 90% of their points if they play another sport, what do you mean by that? Like if they're at practice, you give them like four points? So if, if they're at track practice and they go track practice five days a week and they can't make it to the weight room with us, I don't put zero down for their points. I put a four for their points for each of those okay. days. Okay. Yeah, that was my question. So I go back and put those in so that they don't get all the points because I, I want to make sure you're still getting lifting and I still want you to do other football stuff. Because if I give you 100% of the points, why would you take your day off on the other sport and come to a football right. activity right. outside of just wanting to get better? Everybody knows it, it, there's that tangible instant gratification to do things. So if they know they can get bonus points, then it, it, it's kind of like one of those easy money things for them. Yep, yep. And do you have guys doing that? Guys that are playing other sports, still doing football, still showing up to the weight room or doing football activities? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we have a great group of guys that love football. They do other sports because we encourage it. Uh, But for some of them, if it was just up to them and we could be on the field five days a week, then they would just be on the field five days a week. But a lot of our kids go to do track because we want them to get faster. So we want them to learn from the best. What if I think we have one of the best track coaches around. So shout out to Coach Dennings for that one. What if, what if a guy has to work? What if they need to work? What if they got to or or they got to watch a brother or sister or something like that? Do you make any kind of exception? That's a great question. Yes and no, uh, because I, I always find that successful people will find a way right. to do what they need to do. Good point. So if it's something you really want to do. Uh, I've actually started a lunch lift at the high school. Interesting. So I take my lunch and prep period in the middle of the day, and I open up the weight room from third to sixth period. So any athlete, I, I don't just do things for football because I, I believe like we're all one high school. We all share the same kids, so I want to see every sport be successful. So everything I do, I call it athletic. I want football players to do it but I also want to encourage other coaches and other players to be a part of it. So I started the athletic lunch lift right now. We're going Tuesdays and Thursdays. So they'll go to the lunchroom. They'll eat for 10 minutes. They'll get dismissed. They'll go down to the weight room. Uh, They'll grab their folders with their workouts. They'll hit their cores and then go back on with the rest of their day. So they'll have like a 30 minute lift time. Are you getting a good turnout for that? Not great yet. Like I said, it's still starting. Yep, yep. But at least if, if there's one or two that show up, then they're getting better. But it, it's kind of like a whole process. So I, you have to scan in. I have to make sure that your grades are good, everything else, and then you get in the next week. Okay. So we have about 16 kids signed up. But that's probably 16 kids that may have to 
work and or take care of brother sister after school. So it's 16 yeah. more kids getting in the weight room than normally would. Yeah, it's I think that's great. And as the time goes on, each week we're getting three or four more kids wanting to sign up because McCaskey is a very large school. Uh, I think the count this year was like a thousand boys, which makes us a six eight, one of the big six eight schools. And we have two buildings, but we have six buildings that feed into these two buildings. So we have J.P. McCaskey, which is the original building, East, which is on the other side of campus. We have Phoenix, which is the accelerated alternative program. We have Burley, which is the behavioral uh, program. We have Dash, which is just a different alternative school. We have the cyber program as well. So we have a lot of different areas that we have to go and kind of search and find those kids. These are all high schools, right? These are all part of the, the, the I want to say the high school school system. Like these aren't, you're not talking about junior highs or middle schools. These are all kids. Like no, no, not highs or middle schools. Right. Correct. Yep. So these are all different buildings spread out throughout the city that house our high school kids. Okay. I never knew that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a different challenge from what a lot of other coaches deal with. Yeah, Can, mo- most of them are in one building with yeah, one high school. Yeah, I, I spend a lot of time traveling to different buildings trying to <laughs> make sure that nobody gets missed. But I'm not just looking for football players; I'm looking for people that want to be part of something better. So you don't got to be a starter. You don't even have to play football if you want to just come be the water guy, help film, practice, do those other things. I just want to make it a, a good space for kids is really the first thing you want to do. You mentioned, you talked about, you used the term feeder schools. That gives me a good segue. How? What are you doing in terms of like your youth program in the city of Lancaster and your, uh, you, I think you called it the junior tornadoes. How are you getting that incorporated with the, so guys are, are trying to get to that varsity level of high school football? Great question. So we all know games may be one Friday night, but they start with the good feeder program. Right. So if you're not, uh, if, if you don't really understand what the feeder program is, it, it, for a lot of teams, it's their youth program. So ours is called the Junior Tornadoes. They start at age six, I think, with the D team, and they go all the way up to the B team. Uh, what what we've done, trying to keep all of our kids in house, is uh, well. First off, one of our uh, director, Mike Wallace, uh, talked to the league that they're in the Red Rose League, and it used to be a weighted league based on age. Now they've kind of lifted that because that's that's really hurt us because a lot of our bigger kids weren't able to make weight, and so if you kick a kid to the curb when he's nine, ten, eleven say you're too big to play football, by the time they hit that middle school age, they're kind of turned off on the sport. So now what they've done for that in the league, in the Red Rose League, is if they are over the weight limit, then they have to play a lineman position, which most of them are probably built that way anyway. Yeah, I think that was a good move. I I heard that before. That's a good move. Yeah, no, that's that's an awesome move because we have a lot of big kids at McCaskey, and I go up to them and they're like, yeah, no, I've never got to play in midgets. They said I was too big. So it kind of hurts your heart. All size matter. But, you, uh, you, the, as the, as, the other unique thing about what? about McCaskey is, aren't there multiple? There's multiple junior highs and multiple middle schools, right? Do they all have teams? Yeah. So they did. So there were four teams. You had Lincoln. You had Wheatland. 
you had Hand, which is now Jackson, and you have Reynolds, which is mixed with Martin, I think. Okay. So there's actually like five schools that have middle age or middle school age kids. Right. But the problem we were running into is we were kind of competing against ourselves with our junior league. So the junior tornadoes had an A team and a B team, which was that seventh grade, eighth grade, and possibly ninth grade team. So a lot of the kids were choosing to play on the junior high teams or the, uh, the junior tornado teams because there were no boundaries. They weren't restricted with who they could play with. Right. So when you got to those middle schools, depending on where you lived, you can no longer play with your friend that you played with for the last five years in your youth league because of where your house is. And so I'm glad that you mentioned it because a year ago, we decided to combine all of our middle schools with our ninth grade program and create that junior high model that all the other suburb schools have just because of their numbers. They only have one middle school or one whatever. But now advantage us because each middle school was having two coaches. Now we can put all four of those teams together and have a team with eight coaches, which provides consistency that allows them to move, like I said, from the junior tornadoes lowest level, they get to play with their friends all the way up through middle school now, through high school up until 12th grade. So potentially you could play with somebody for eight or nine years, which can really build that strong bond between teammates and trust. For sure. So how old do you, do does the uh, junior tornadoes go? The junior tornado goes up to the B team, which I believe is sixth grade. Okay. I think it's like the 12 and under, I okay. think. So most seventh oh, graders right then will play, they'll play for the, the middle school team, quote unquote, middle school. Yeah, middle so now all, team. yeah, all the seven, eight, and nine now combine into a junior high program where we have a junior high varsity and a junior high junior varsity. So it's no longer really based on the grade. So we don't have a seventh grade, an eighth grade, and a ninth grade team. We kind of do it like the high school model. Okay. So if you're a seventh or eighth grader, you look like a ninth grader, then you'll bump up to that varsity level. Gotcha. If you're a ninth grader that is the first time playing football, you may be undersized or you just don't understand the sport, you would go down to the intermediate junior high, junior varsity. So we want to put kids where they can be successful. And we also want to be able to place kids where they can compete. So how how are you getting the the coaches at Junior Tornadoes, the middle school coaches, your coaching staff? How are, how are you getting everybody on the same page so you can turn those the Junior Tornadoes and the middle school into kind of like a, a quote-unquote feeder program or a system to get those guys prepared to play varsity football at the high school level? Well, first off, it, it starts with the conversation. So you, you have to sit down with your coaches and talk about that plan and the role that they play in it. Now, where it looks at from the junior high level may be different than the junior tornado level, but really it comes down to basing things and fundamentals. So you may not have to run the exact same offense I do. You may not have to run the exact same defense I do. But the fundamentals that are getting taught need to be similar. So we need to make sure we're tackling the correct way. We need to make sure that we're doing all the little things right. We don't just hand it off to the fastest kid, let them run sweep around the corner. Uh, we need to make sure that every kid is playing in every game. Uh, 
Because for me, at certain levels, it's not about the wins and loss. It's about the development of each kid. Because every year we know life happens, kids move, whatever the case may be. And by the time you get to your 12th grade class, you may have 15 kids. But when they start out younger, you had 70 at that age. So it's really about that retention part and understanding what each job is of those coaches at those levels. Are the coaches the receptive? Level, are they they are they okay with that? They're they're on board with playing everybody, and even if it means they're not going to win every game. I don't want to say every coach is. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a few that I still have to have those conversations with, but really getting them to understand like a kid's got to fall in love with the sport first. Yep. And if they're not seeing any game time or any love then why would they come to practice? Because football is a tough sport. Right. Like showing up to practice every day, that's a tough thing to do. And at that age, even tougher. Because there's a lot of things for kids to do nowadays. And then how do you get and everybody on the same sure page? Making sure that each kid gets developed. How do you get everybody on the same page with the fundamentals? Like do you guys have some sort of clinic where you where the high school coaches – they teach the way that they, you know, tackling should be, or, or do you guys have some sort of, uh, I don't know, like a, a big round table discussion about fundamentals? Another great question. Uh, this spring and summer, we will be holding clinics for our junior high and our junior tornadoes and parents, if they're interested, uh, basic clinics on those topics and kind of going through what's safe, what's not safe, uh, because, it, it, like I said, it's it's really about developing the kids and not just coaching your coaches, but coaching the parents as well. Because at the youngest That's level, the point. kid's going to do what their parents says. Right. So making sure the parents understand the why, because if they understand the why, they can help as well. Now, so, yeah, this uh, spring going into summer, there's going to be a few clinics held trying to secure a field, turf field preferably but kind of go through a lot of these basic fundamental things. Yep. Now, as you say, like how do you get everybody on board? I'm not sure you can get everybody on board, but if, if I can get the majority of people on board, then we can move in the right direction. Because usually the majority rules and then everyone else starts to fall in line. So you're, you're never going to get everybody in one swoop. And yep. I don't think that's, that's realistic. You're right. Okay. But we can make progress. So let's go back to, you were talking about, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of um, go back to what you were saying about your work day. And you, you do a lot of driving around the city from building to building. And you you have to drive to the camp. you got to drive to McCaskey campus. And, and uh, is it called McCaskey East, the, the East building? Whatever it's called. you got to drive to that campus yeah. because you don't work there. You're not on campus. Tell, tell everybody what you do. Right. I'm not on campus. So I am a special education teacher within the district of Lancaster, or the school district of Lancaster, but my actual classroom is at Lancaster County Prison. So I am a school district employee that just so happens to work inside of the county prison. Uh, I'm the teacher record there for the ages of 20 and younger for anyone who has not gotten their high school diploma or GED. And it's kind of... uh, Credit recovery slash cyber setup. A lot of this stuff is online. We use Apex uh, management system for a lot of their stuff, and I am the facilitator. And so, yeah, no, and anywhere I want to recruit, I 
I had to leave the campus or leave the prison, go to campus, go to the schools. But uh, I've been there for, this is my fourth school year now. Prior to that, I was at uh, McCaskey East as an emotional support teacher. But I've always liked the alternative setting because I feel that a lot of those kids just need someone to connect with. And, and so I like to kind of be that person to kind of ask those questions. And you've done the emotional support thing in some Philadelphia schools too, right? Some A charter school and some public schools. Yeah. Yeah. So I did emotional support at a charter school, Bayer Universal in South Philadelphia. I worked at a therapeutic day school through Camelot in West Philly. And then I was at an alternative school in Reading through Camelot as That's well. Right. I forgot so McCaskey was my fourth teaching gig. And then from there, I guess the prison is my fifth classroom. When you're in your classroom in the prison, how many students are you dealing with on a daily basis? Uh, the max I can have in my classroom, because because we are uh, kind of cyber-fitted and everything is hardwired, there's no Wi-Fi within the prison, I have six student stations. So I can have six at a time. Uh, because the prison is very safety oriented. Right. Their schedule is very rigid. So I have a morning session and I have an afternoon session. So prior to COVID, I was able to group different blocks together. So before I could even step foot into the classroom there, I had to go through their five week uh, basic training course that all of their correctional officers have to go through. Wow. So learn how to handcuff, uh, learn how to do the takedowns, learn how to de-escalate uh, all the codes in the prison, all the different every, – everything a guard has to go through, I, I had to go through and pass, which I thought was pretty interesting. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Very, very different than the normal school. Yeah. So that gave me the ability once I did that to walk through the prison without having to be escorted. So in the morning, I call the blocks wherever I have students, uh, I go pick them up like a walking school bus and we walk from block to block up and down steps, just them and me to the next one into the classroom. They get in there, get settled. Like I said, uh, we use Apex as our management system. They do most of the work. I kind of facilitate, uh, I gather their transcripts. So I am the teacher. I am the counselor. I am the administrator. Kinda, I have one now, but I, I am kind of like the one-stop shop there. I, I'm the only school person. Yep, I got there. you. So I, I I reach out, get their transcripts, and put it into the system. Uh, go through all their different placement stuff, kind of figure out what they have to do, and then set them on that path to be successful. With with it being a prison, I know a lot of people say like, "Wow, why a prisoner? That's pretty crazy." Like, how do you feel safe there? And or what's it like? And honestly, it's probably the best teaching job I've had. I, I don't want to give a spoiler alert. I hope no one else that works in the district is listening <laughs> to this because I don't want someone else to try to apply for my job. But I, I don't deal with a lot of the things that give teachers those burnout. So I don't have lunch duty. I don't have bus duty. Uh, I don't have kids getting up in the middle of the class and walking out. There's nowhere to go. Uh, they're not on their phones. They don't have them. 
school just a, it tends to be something they end up looking forward to. Yeah, that's a that, that makes sense, but that's just something you never think about. And, and man, it's just it, a whole different world. Yeah, no, and uh, a lot of times it, it kind of gives them that opportunity to prove to their parents themselves, to the community that that the choice they made that landed them there is not going to define them, and they're going to make that choice to improve themselves. And, and really take hold of that second chance. That's awesome. So I, have, I think that's awesome. Uh, a player of mine who recently like was in there and now he's out and has an opportunity to go to the next level. And he, he's really one of those kids where he was just in a in the wrong place at the wrong time with people that you know you should pick better friends. But uh, he he didn't allow that opportunity or that that mistake really define him and and so he, he's really doing everything he needs to do to make sure that this this second half or this next chapter is, is on the upward trend and he, i'm sure you played a big part in that coach not just not just with coaching football but with your the position that you have your teaching position in the prison there that's great you know, I'm, I'm, i mean i, I was shy so when, when i get students the first thing i say to them is i don't know why you're here because I don't, I don't really care why they're there. Yeah. They know why they're there. They know what they do. Yep. And it's not my position to judge them. Right. I said, I'm going to treat you the way you treat me from the moment I meet you until the moment you leave. So respect is going to be given to you. Disrespect can be earned if you treat me a certain way. But I'm going to treat you the same way I treat you in here. Is the same way I treat you outside. The same way I treat anybody. And so for that, for them, it, it kind of gives them that, clean slate to start with because yes they're in the prison yes they're in the jumpsuit but i'm going to treat them just like anything else and then i also have an incentive program in there as well so just like in football just like in school people like those tangible items so yeah. i've worked with the prison and they've allowed me to do certain things within the prison uh that they really look forward to so they get points for coming to class they get bonus points for earning credits and they can use those points to buy sketchbooks, to rent a red box movie, to uh, get something from the vending machine. Like little things that you take for granted outside of there, but to them, it, it, it's it, it's a meaningful event. Yep. Well, Coach, I'm going to wrap things up right there. This is uh, it's been a very right. informative episode, and and definitely just a different way of thinking. And you're you're probably using some of the teaching techniques that you're you're doing there in that classroom in the prison, and I mean, you know, using it with young men, and 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 like you talked about your point system there, and and just being able to, I like what you said about respect is given and disrespect is earned. That's that's pretty interesting because usually, um, a lot of times it's it's kind of the other way around where people are disrespectful right away. Yeah, I, I don't feel like you should have to earn respect yeah. i think you should treat somebody with respect until they give you a reason not to that's a that's, I mean, a, that's, that, a great, that's the best way to make friends and yep. to meet people it's a great way to live life but coach thanks a lot for coming that's on right. the show i appreciate it thanks a lot for doing well, no this no. I, I hope when you edit it it makes sense i feel like i was all over <laughs> it's, coach it makes perfect sense you did a great job you did great yeah, we need to i'll, I'll, I'll do a reboot <laughs> We don't need it, Coach. I'll, I'll make it sound great. You did, you did an unbelievable job, man. But, uh, yeah, no I, I look forward to, to tracking your progress and seeing how McCaskey does now. Well, thank you. Yeah, man.
Yeah, I didn't even talk about any of the accomplishment stuff, but that's all right. That's all right. We had six players go all section, uh, three first teamers, two second teamers, three honorable mentions, three all academic team. And yeah, it's not bad. No, it's not. Not at all. That's great. That's awesome, coach. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I'll let you go here and I'll, I'll kind of edit this thing. And thanks again for, for coming on. Uh, no problem. No problem. I appreciate it. Yep, have, have a good night, coach. You as well.